1: Sit back and enjoy, Druids, in cars, going to festivals.
0: One of the things that we haven't gotten to talk a lot about on these trips, because you and I are pretty much, I think, of one mind on it, is the, the way that we build and encourage a culture of consent mm-hmm. within the Grove and among our various groups of acquaintances here and there. And you and I both took a class on it, actually, before yeah. the rest of the clergy council had to. We, we made the suggestion that maybe yeah, we, this is what we, we should do. Yeah, we took the
1: class and then recommended it as the, the thing that people should take for, yeah. through uh, Cherry Hill, the consent culture course.
0: So a lot of ADF members, <clears throat> and leadership in particular, has started to take the class, which is nice. Right,
1: well, and it was actually required for clergy in the Mother Grove, I think, yeah. so though I know others have taken it, too.
0: And the process of building that culture, it has always played into, even though I didn't really know what we were doing at the time, um, it has played into the notion that I have about a culture of trust within the Grove, where we trust people to do the things that are right for them. Right. And to get the jobs done that are assigned to them and that sort of stuff. So we're not...
1: We don't do a lot of micromanaging. Exactly. um, Very
0: little, in fact.
1: And we... If we're if we're asking folks to do something, like we trust them to actually do it. To actually do it, but we also trust them to know when they shouldn't do something, and we trust them to uh, speak honestly about things. And um, we we trust that when they do something and share it, that that is um, done in a way that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and then it builds on that culture of right. It, trust. Right,
1: and we, we do the assume positive intent. Always. Like, I think that ties into our culture of our culture of consent and trust in the Grove. Yeah. And
0: we try and be clear about it as well. I mean, we've got a little sign that we made mm-hmm. that sits a, right out front in all of our rituals and says, hey, we, we try to build this culture of consent. That means ask before you hug somebody. Mm-hmm that sort of thing um, and it's been nice to sort of see that within the Grove come to, to a better understanding because I mean you know me I'm not big into hugging myself right. I'm happy to hug anyone who wants a hug
1: don't, right do not bother me you don't need to go up to people and hug them right Yeah.
0: I, I don't have that, that personal need so if someone wants a hug they can always have one from me but there are people in the Grove who are not like that and by putting that, hey, you want a hug up front, it has helped decrease the stigma of saying no thanks or, of or not backing today. off or yeah. whatever. Yeah.
1: Um, and I think it, it, it's definitely been a pronounced difference because I think we had a fairly decent culture of consent before. Yes. But since explicitly talking about it, it's definitely improved a lot.
0: Yeah, and people just, they don't take offense to the, I don't want to hug today. Right. And it doesn't matter who it's from, and I, I try and model that too, because like I said, I'm, I'm having a hug just about anybody, but every so often, see. So, yeah. I don't know, right or I won't go in for a hug, or I'll reach for a handshake instead, or something like right. that. Fist bumps. Always Well, good. and
1: we've also had, um, because I occasionally, like, if I'm having... Uh, a rough day. Like I'll accept hugs from some people, but not others. Uh-huh. Um, and that has been like it used to be. I felt like I had to say no to everybody who wanted a hug, and I definitely feel more comfortable now, like giving the couple of people who I'm comfortable with hugs in those scenarios, and still feeling okay to say no, not today, to others. Yeah.
0: What do we say with to the garden hugs? <laughs> not
1: today. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's it's been really useful to us to, to build this up and to, to just be clear about it up front. And I think that I think that there's a notion that it's awkward for some folks to say, you know, hey, do you want a hug? But it turns out it's not actually awkward.
1: I think there's a sense of like when we had the initial consent discussion with the grove where we started explicitly talking about it. Yeah. There was a little bit of awkwardness, because we were all trying to navigate how to verbalize our feelings on things, and there was a lot of, like, people feeling unsure, like, wait, am I never allowed to hug anyone now? Yeah. And so part of it, part of that conversation was just making sure that it was a conversation. Yes. And not a blanket decision on anything. Right.
0: And that's part of, part of consent right there. Right, is, right. You know, you're not making a choice for everyone. You're asking people to make a choice for themselves.
1: Right. And I think that's an important point is that you're not asking them to make a choice for you. Right. You're, it, it, it's a very like personal sovereignty, personal empowerment kind of thing that you are not only enabled but encouraged to make a choice that's right for you.
0: And I like that, that aspect of it a lot. And we did... So coming out of that class, we the final project was to create a, a workshop, essentially, on consent. Right. And so we did, and we gave our workshop.
1: Mm-hmm. And we did, because we had both taken the class and both had to make a workshop. We did, like, a two-part yeah. kind of thing so like I did kind of intro to consent and you did like consent 201 <laughs> yeah I
0: think that's how it worked out yeah
1: um, and, and, it, and it went well and we gave it to our grove and I think we we might have recorded it but I don't know that we, we never posed put it out
0: anywhere
1: yeah because we didn't want the we wanted honest conversations within the grove and we didn't want like putting a recording out to it, it was useful discourage. for us to have right
0: should we need to have it we have it um, and that's sometimes the way it is with recording, anyway. Yeah. That's how some of these podcasts are. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> but, and we, we also gave it at, at least at Trillium. Yep. I don't know if we gave it at any other festivals.
0: Uh, I've given it as well um, at uh, Beyond the Gates. I gave it out there. And I've been part
1: of a couple round tables.
0: Yeah. Too. And we always show the, the tea. Consent yes. film, which is fabulous. We will link to both the non safe for work and the safe for work version of that, I think, in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, whichever one you would like. Whichever one you consent to watching. <laughs> and we, we recommend the non safe for work one, though, I think. Yeah. I, I would recommend it. It's just, it's good. Yeah. It's the only language is the, the, the only true warning there. But it's given us a chance to, to talk more about it and we. I mean, in the, the workshops that we did, that we do, there's an element of role play too, which right. helps people figure out how to say the words they want to say.
1: Right, because you can think about it all you want, but when you role play back and forth, someone saying, "Do you want a hug?" and then you have the option to say, "No," and then they have the option to say, "Okay," like it removes the the fear in a lot of ways about doing that. And it's interesting to, when you're in both roles Because the, when you're saying no You don't want to hurt their feelings And so you have to learn to deal with that And then when you're the person who's been rebuffed You, you still have that moment in your, in your emotions, I think Where you're like, wait, you don't want to hug for me? And so it gives you an option to process that in a safe environment
0: Right, and the other thing that it does Is it actually shows you that it's really not that big of a deal right. someone and says no. Right, and it's
1: not that big of a deal, which yeah. is the other part of that. But yeah. it, it allows you to process what the, the feelings that go with that um, and the, your projection of feelings onto other people yes. about that. Um,
0: it, it turns out that usually when someone says they don't want to hug, they're not saying it
1: at you. It's not about you, generally. Yeah,
0: they're, they're saying it because they don't want to hug. And... Whether they, they want one from somebody else and not you, or, or however that is, it's just their comfort level.
1: Well, and it's a, it's still about them. It is. And not about you. Exactly. Doesn't matter. Yeah. End of the day. It yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the other things that I really liked that came out of that consent course is um, one of the things we had to think about was how it ties into paganism.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I really liked the idea of sovereignty. And we have these sovereignty goddesses, right? And so you can kind of harness that intent and that power and take your own sovereignty back. Yeah. Um, and that like that was very meaningful to me.
0: The other really cool thing that we talked about, um, and, and we talked about it more than the book or the instructor talked about it. Right, was the notion of uh, consent and initiation. Yeah, because initiations, derive some of their power from mystery and from the unexpected and from things that you can't fully explain until you experience them anyway.
1: Right, and because we're both initiates and because we're both involved in initiations uh, kind of regularly. I think both of us do a fair number of them.
0: Reasonably regularly.
1: Yeah. Um, But it was a thing that we definitely had to consider.
0: Yes, and We've gotten a lot of positive feedback around that as well, because as we've done this, we've, we've learned how to build that language. And when we talk to people about what we're going to do, we've found ways to say, you know, do you have a problem you know, being hung upside down? And are you allergic to fire ants?
1: Right, and, and you can ask all kinds of questions, and, and when you ask them in A, that kind of humorous manner... Um, as well as the ridiculous alongside the the, the normal I, I don't know um, yeah. th- you're going to get answers without disrupting the mystery you will and the other
0: part of it too is we've, we've always been very serious about the, the whole process so while well, we might ask if you are allergic to honey and ants and being hung upside down because you know that's what we do in these things right <laughs> um we tie you to a tree, we wrap you up in a uh, <laughs> uh, in a big canvas sheet and hit you with soap. There's all sorts of stuff that we talk about, um, but we also temper that with, and here's the thing, if you are uncomfortable with anything that we do, we will stop immediately. Right. And if you tell us to stop, that will end the initiation. And you can do it. At a different time, you can you can attempt this again with the knowledge that you have. Right. But this is meant to be safe. This is meant to be secure. And it might push your boundaries, but we'll be clear about how we're pushing your boundaries.
1: And if you're not okay with them being pushed, you can stop.
0: Yep. You can opt out at any time. And I think that's a very important conversation to have. And you don't have to give away anything right. that is integral to the, the mystery by doing that.
1: By checking for consent. Exactly. Um, and like especially as the preceptor now I've been putting together a document that will go out to current initiates. Like these are the things you must check for. Yeah. Um you have to make sure that your that your initiate candidate is okay with this stuff. I don't care how you find it out. Yeah. But you need to be comfortable going in that these are things that are safe for them.
0: Yeah, and I mean there are health aspects and things like that. If a person can't breathe when they're hanging from a tree...
1: Right, I know example, like one of the things you asked me um, because I I have asthma is like we had to make sure that my inhaler was with me. Yep. And so it's not... Uh, some of the things are just like do you have medical devices that you need to have with you? Um,
0: yep. And what, what I will say is that and this applies to any initiation that you're going to do in any tradition if they are not willing to make sure that you are comfortable and that you can pass because that's the other side of asking all these questions, we want to make sure that people can pass, we're not setting them up for failure, Right. If, if you're not willing to do those things make sure they're comfortable with everything you're going to do and that they're, they have the tools to pass, then you are not initiating someone; you are hazing someone. Yeah. And that's a very distinct difference between the two, I think. I would agree. Um, because initiation can be hazing if you are not careful. Yes. And it can it can break people at least as often as it builds them up. And that's not what you're going for. Right. Um, The process of creating a spiritual initiation should benefit the person. It should 100% be a benefit.
1: Right. Which isn't to say that it needs to be easy.
0: Oh, definitely not easy. I mean, I, I I will be honest, and I am on record as saying that my initiation was one of the most frightening things I have ever done in my life. Yes. And... I knew what I was going into. I actually had the mechanics in front of me, and I knew what right, was going you, on. Right, because you
1: helped a little bit, at least, develop the, the process. Yeah, I mean, I I had no idea <laughs> going in, none at all. And I mean, it was it was legitimately terrifying. Mm-hmm. But because I went into it with the tools, um, whether or not I knew I had them, by going through the process, I had them. Yes,
0: um, and the process of obtaining consent is is the same as the process for obtaining trust. Right. So when I asked you those questions, or, you know, when, when I sit down with an initiate and I say, hey, I want to make sure that you can lie on your back for two hours and still be able to breathe. Right. You know, the, those kinds of things that that we, we work around... Um, All of that helps to build trust, and that helps to, even if there's terrifying experiences, um, or, you know, you're afraid of the dark, and we put you in a dark room, you trust the people who put you there, and you trust that they will let you out.
1: Right, and part of that is you have a large pool of initiates to choose from to be your initiators.
0: Yes, and that pool grows larger every year.
1: It does. Um, and so, and especially now that we've set people up with mentors, you have probably at least a year, if not two or three, that you're going to get to know one person really well. Yeah. Um, who can then be one of your initiators. And so you have someone who you're building trust with over the course of several years before you're put in a room with them and they have this level of control.
0: Yes before you have to cede control to them yes. is what I would say yes
1: I couldn't figure out how to say that <laughs>
0: um, you can't control your own initiation the initiation is unlikely to work that way right um, but the other part of that too is that if it so happens that your mentorship relationship sours you don't have to you don't have to use your mentor them. you don't
1: have to, to work with them and that's you know? fine too it's a completely personal choice Yep. for who you work with for that. And
0: the, the key is that you have to find three people to initiate you, and they have to agree to initiate you. So it's right. a two-way street there. Um, you have to agree to them, and they have to agree to you. And that's really the, the primary control mechanism yep. over who gets initiated. Yeah, so. especially
1: because we do voting at the very beginning, Yeah. and the clergy council does voting at the very end. Yep. Like, initiates, you are, if you are allowed to begin the program, you can go all the way through up until the point where you have to pick initiators and they have to agree to it. And so if then, if you've done all of the prerequisite coursework and three people agree, you're allowed to attempt.
0: Yep. And there's no, there's no, like, three attempts and you're out. Or you can only try this once or anything like that. You can... You can try it technically as many times as you want. We don't right. have any upper limit on it. As right. long as three people agree to do it again, right. then you're good. So there's there's not a lot of pressure on it, really. There is pressure. Oh, it sure
1: feels like it's but a lot it's, of pressure. It's but it's
0: self-imposed but pressure more right. than it is anything else. Right. And the initiators are will aim to help you through it. Yeah. Because Absolutely. The, the aim is is to create that cultural consent, and and that's really kind of what we pulled out of that consent conversation was this is how we want initiations to go. This is this is our ideal for an ADF initiation is that we will trust their initiators and they'll get through it.
1: Right. One of the things I like about about our initiations is that, um, and I don't have any other initiations, um, so I don't have the experience to like pull from elsewhere but I really like that it's not one-on-one like that would make me really uncomfortable going into it both I think both as a candidate and as someone running one I would would, want to do it one-on-one it would make me really uncomfortable um and so I really liked the aspect that it was it was like one-on-three
0: yeah Sometimes it's not just one on three Because sometimes we do multiple people initiated at once
1: Right, so sometimes there's two candidates And three or four or five initiators Yes um, Sometimes even if it's one person There's four initiators Like there's there's three who go on your paperwork, right? But you can have as many as you, as want. Many as you want there As long as there's at least three
0: Yep, and they all agree to do it Yeah yeah, that's that's part of why that's part of how the the consent culture that we've tried to build within the Grove and within the initiatory body of ADF has sort of manifested. Right. It's manifested in building a deeper and more trusting relationship between people, and it's been it's been a marked change in ADF. I, think. I would agree. I would agree. Um, certainly, it has in our Grove. Um,
1: Simply the the discussions like when I when I go to a festival, people ask me if I want hugs now. Yep. Like it, it, there's been a marked change of like oh we're huggers here and yes and and
0: we we are all huggers so now you are too that doesn't happen as often or as as far as I know that hasn't happened at all. Um, I haven't ever heard it since we started doing
1: But there this. there were definitely festivals prior to this, like, push for consent culture on an explicit conversation level, um, where before, there were definitely situations where I was uncomfortable with things that were happening around me, um, in the way that I was pressured to be involved with them. Yeah. Um, and you
0: didn't feel like you could say no, and because I didn't, it was, it was an assumption.
1: It was an assumption, and it was, it was an expected thing. Yep. Um... And I mean, like on, on multiple kinds of levels, like maybe there were certain ritual aspects that I didn't want to participate in yeah. or I didn't want to be hugged that day or I was done drinking for the night, yeah. like any of those things, um, there, there was more pressure prior to this push than there is now.
0: And I like where we
1: are. I do too. Thanks for listening. And there's more to come.
0: We welcome your ideas and questions. If there's something that you'd like to hear us discuss in a future episode, please drop us a line at druidsincars at 3
1: If you would like to donate, you can do so at 3cranes.org slash donate.
0: Druids in Cars Going to Festivals is a production of 3 Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. Learn more about our grove at 3 and more about druidry at ADF.org.
1: As always, keep circulating the tapes and let us pray with a good fire.